morning, everybody. How we doing? Good. Hello out there in TV land, and uh, or Facebook land, anyway. And I am uh, Michael Bryan, and I'm one of the pastors that gets to serve here at uh, Southland Chino, and so happy to be able to do that. Um, could we get could we get the uh, picture, uh, Tim, uh, of uh, the prodigal? There we go. That's a picture by a very famous artist named uh, Rembrandt. And it's, uh, you know, I, I think it hangs somewhere in Russia, in one of the, the, the big uh, museums there. And it's about, uh, oh, I don't know, 10 times bigger than that. So it's, it's bigger than life size. But you can see this wonderful uh, uh, picture that just evokes all sorts of, of things from us, the Father with his hands on the shoulders of the son, the son just looking raggedy and sad and, and uh, just uh, very sorry, it would seem, repentant. I think he lost one of his sandals there, so there's that part of it. There's so many little things about that picture. I read a book by a Catholic priest once uh, called um, The Return of the Prodigal. Henry Nouwen was his name the man who wrote it, and I recommend it to all of you, if you're interested in this story at all, to just uh, uh, dig a little deeper into it, because it's a wonderful, uh, and what you get is that picture, by the way, on the front of it, and so just, it, it inspires me every time that I see it. The uh, series that we're in has been very Christ-centered, very Jesus-centered over these last weeks. And so whatever we're preaching up here, we're trying to draw a line from uh, the text to Jesus, which is just about what we do every week, whether we're in that kind of series anyway. But um, uh, we will look at the story again, though Anthony did a great job of, of uh, giving us a Reader's Digest version of it, there, and, uh, and I just said Reader's Digest, and probably three-quarters of you don't even know what I'm talking about. But that's all right. You can, you can uh, uh, Wikipedia will help you with that later on if you need to know what that's about. But uh, the way that I would like to draw a line that way is to uh, borrow from John's Gospel. And so if we could put that second uh, scripture up. Uh, no, that's not the one. The one, uh, no. Okay, so it's, it, I'll go ahead, and pr it's probably my fault. I probably gave them the wrong, the wrong uh, scripture. But there is an exchange between Philip and Jesus in the Gospel of John, and Philip says, uh, could you show us the Father? Could you, could you just show us the Father? And, uh, and Jesus says, well, essentially, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So there is, uh, here we are. Lord, show us the Father. That will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us 
the Father. And that'll be, that'll be about all I need to do there. But Jesus was saying, boy, you guys really haven't got it yet. You, you know, that, that's what I've been trying to do here all along. So if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, Jesus, in the Gospel of Luke, tells a parable about a father. And so uh, he gives us, I think, as we look at really, you know, all the gospel from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we can at least conclude that he's giving us some insight here, not only into his relationship with the Father, but a story. Jesus, the master storyteller. And um, we were exhorted this last weekend at a retreat uh, that we should be telling more stories. Uh, and uh, Jesus certainly gave us a great um, example uh, of that. Did he not? He certainly did. So uh, I think what I'll do, uh, instead of reading the whole story to you, whoops, instead of reading the whole story to you, is to go ahead and uh, just read portions of it and then speak a little bit. It's a very, very familiar story. All of you, most of you probably are fam uh, familiar uh, with it. But it, it might be good just to take a, a, little, a little bit here and a little bit there and, uh, and refresh our memory some. And so why don't we go then to the Luke 15, um, there we go, uh, no. Oh, there it is. That is it, isn't it? Thank you. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided his property between them, and not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, and he set off for a distant country, and there squandered uh, his... Uh, the, his stuff and his money and all of that kind of thing. Um, well, you get the idea. He squandered all of his thing, all, all, everything that, that that is for the estate, perhaps uh, that he had, and uh, everything like uh, that. So after he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to feed pigs. And so he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. I know that part. Nobody gave him anything. And so uh, what happened was uh, uh, he sat down and he decided, you know, I think what I'll do is all my, all my father's servants, they have plenty to eat. And so what I will do is I will go back and I'll say, Father, forgive me. I've, I've, I've made a horrible uh, mistake here. I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy even to be called your son. Make me a servant in your household, and that'll be enough. So let's just talk a little bit about uh, that much of the story here. We have this younger son who goes and asks uh, for his inheritance. What we don't have is the historical context 
of what's taking place here. And what he did right there was maybe the most outlandish thing a son could do with a father. I mean, it just was not done to go and ask for your inheritance before that inheritance was actually yours. And what made that inheritance yours was the passing of the father. And so what he was saying to his father, in essence, and the way that it would have been interpreted in those days is, I just can't wait for you to die. You are just not dying quick enough for me. And so I'd like to have my inheritance right now. So what you're looking at here is incredible disrespect, incredible offense if you're a father that has a heart at all. But you notice in the story that the father uh, says, uh, okay, okay, we'll do that. And so he, he just uh, divides the estate with him. Do you notice some things about this guy here? Do you notice some things that, that maybe... Uh, wouldn't cause you to stand outside the story like we often do and go, yeah, man, what a, what a ugly dude that was. I mean, that was just horrible. But I want you to get inside the story a little bit. Just get inside of it and see if there's anything in there that would remind you of somebody. I don't know, while you were shaving, maybe. Or some other places. A brashness disrespect, this kind of self-confident arrogance that we see with him, and uh, just, a, just a, a carelessness about, about not only approaching his father, but then taking his inheritance and, and going on and just, I mean, we don't have all kinds of details about what he was doing there, but we can only guess. The, the older brother brings something up a little later on that we'll underscore uh, delicately, but uh, uh, at, at this juncture here, they just call it wild living, you know, and that could be a lot of different things. Can I tell you something here today that I heard from a, uh, a preacher uh, way back when the world was young? And he said in only the way this style of preacher could say it. He said this, he said, sin will take you further than you ever intended to go, and it will keep you longer than you ever intended to stay, and it will cost you more than you ever intended to pay. That's what sin does. Now, I would never say that sin does not include fun, does not include pleasure, because it does, and it only makes sense, otherwise people would never get involved in it. But it's only for a season, and it will, it will turn on you. Let me just say that one more time to you. Sin will take you further than you ever intended to go, keep you longer than you ever intended to stay, and cost you more than you ever intended to pay. That's what it'll do. And there's probably a bunch of you that would join me in saying, yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've dabbled there, and I know that that's true. 
Often addictions will begin to foment in that between those three things that I just quoted there, where you get so tangled up in it, and then you wonder, how did this happen? Not unlike the son who is feeding pigs and saying, how did I get here? Life was pretty good for a long, long time, and then look, where am I now? Well, it says that he comes to his senses and he decides to go home and to repent to his father, and he even prepares the speech that I sort of quoted to you a little bit, right? Father, I've, you know, I've sinned before heaven and before you, and I don't even, I'm not even worthy to be called your son anymore. Just make me a servant. Just make me a servant. I'll, I'll be satisfied and happy to be that. I'm, I'm ashamed of myself, and, and uh, I'd I really don't even have uh, any right to come and ask you this, but would you do this for me? And so that's where we were. So can we pick the story up? Um, so he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he was filled with compassion for him. I love what Anthony's uh, uh, version of it was. He says he was on the porch and every day he just gets out there and he's, he's looking. He's looking for this kid, hoping that he would see him coming down the road. And one day he did wake up, and there was this kid. And it says that he ran to his son. Now, this is a father, and if we think of him like we saw uh, in the painting, uh, there's nothing funnier than an old man running. I mean, it's just true. There's nothing funnier than an and in fact, yeah, do you want me to demonstrate right now? Because I could, I could actually do that. And it is. It's just, you know, it's why I don't run much. You know, because I don't need to amuse you people or, or anybody else. But it was one of those moments where he didn't care what he looked like. He says, that's my boy. That's my boy. He's been God for a long time. I got to, I, that's, oh, I got, I got to, I, and so, you know, probably, you know, girded his loins, as they would have said in those days, just pulled his, pulled his robe up, and off he went with his little stubby legs and his beard flowing in the wind and tears running down his face as he sees the boy. And, and, and he runs to his son, and he throws his arms around him, and he, and he kisses him. I don't know what the son was expecting, really. I, I, we, we don't get any hint of that, uh, really, too much. But I will tell you that I don't know too many fathers whose response would have been just exactly this, including my kid's father. Because at least, at least in, in the flesh, at least in... In, that, in my humanity, that would not have been my first impulse. My first impulse would have, would have been all about me and how hurt I was and how angry I am and still that he did this and look who's back, right? And even if I didn't say it, the solemnity in my face would have said everything, right? So what do you want? 
right? Total opposite. See, this is gospel fatherhood. This is gospel fatherhood. It's not what, and, and there's people who would have watched me do what I just right there and would have said, that's right, give it to him, Mikey. You know, go, go ahead. He deserves, he's, he's got, how's he ever going to learn? How is that kid ever going to learn not to do this again if you don't rub his nose in this a little bit? Come on. And that's why I love this. That's why I love this, this story. Because you have a father who is beside himself and extending lavish and extravagant grace to an undeserving son. Lavish and extravagant grace to an undeserving son. Now, why do you think I like this story? Because I identify with a son. I've been that guy in a lot of different ways. And I have received lavish and extravagant grace from God over the years. And I still can't get over it. And I would love to see, I would have loved to see somebody paint the picture and the look on the kid's face here. <laughs> Because I don't think he was expecting this at all. I just don't. The father never forgot him. The father lived in expectation that he would return at some point. And he never stopped loving him. He never said, that's it. This kid crossed a line. We're done. We're done. Figure your life out. He never did that. He never cut him off. And then the next thing he does, which is even more outlandish, after he interrupts the son's speech. By the way, did you notice he wouldn't let him finish the speech? Father, I'm... Hey, 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 ho, ho. Right? Quick, bring the best robe. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Get that fattened calf and kill it, and let's have a feast and celebrate. Well, now we're really in a zone where I, in my humanity, I would have never thought to do any of those things. It's like, let's sneak this kid in the house before the neighbors see him. Right? Because, by the way, the whole countryside probably knew about what this kid did, and there was gossip, probably, and there was, oh boy, can you believe what, he, you know, so that it was, it's typical. It's, you, it's the way humans respond to things like this. But the father says, no, we're celebrating. This son of mine was dead, and he's alive again. And he was lost, but now he's found, and so they began to celebrate and by the way he hired a band and we'll find out about that here in just a minute and I like that part the story goes on very quickly meanwhile the older son we have an older son now that enters the story 
He's out in the field and he comes near the house and he hears music and dancing. So there's, there's a band and there's people who are, you know, there's salsa dancing going on in there. And there's, and there's you know, and there's this and there's, uh, there's Jewish dancing probably and, you know, that kind of stuff. And just people are just having a wonderful time and they've killed the fattened calf and there's carne asada and there's just all of this stuff and it's smelling so good and everything. And the son's walking in from the field and he's going, what? is going on at my father's house, and why don't I know about it? Why don't I know about this? What's, what's going on? And so it says he called his servants. Let's, let's go back. He calls the servants and says, what's going on? He says, your brother's come home, and your father's killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the servant probably thinks, you know, he's got a big smile on his face. Your brother's back. Right? Aren't you happy? There's joy going on here. Any chance of you entering into that? Well, let's find out. The older brother became angry, refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. Gospel fatherhood means that you go out. You go out. The younger son... He's coming down the road. He didn't expect him to go out, but he came out. The older son, hard heart, father goes out to, and pleads with him. And he says, but he, he uh, answers his father. He says, look, all these years I've been slaving for you, never disobeyed your orders, yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends but when this son of yours, he couldn't even call him my brother. This son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home. You kill the fattened calf for him? Should be a, I think there should be a question mark there instead of that. What? My son, the father says, you are always with me. And everything. I have is yours, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead, and he's alive again, and he was lost, but now he's found. So we see the other brother, and he's languishing out there, and there is in him anger and resentment and bitterness, and, and it's all about him. He's so self-possessed with, with fairness in all of this. If you've been in a family, you have any siblings at all, you've watched that happen from the time that you were small, and i got to tell you, often it doesn't go away even when people uh, get older. That's not fair. You did this for this one. How come you won't do this for me? That very human ugly side of jealousy and uh and it just it never looks good by the way on anybody if you get there some time in your heart figure out a way to get out because it just it won't do you any good and uh you know it's so he's like mr buzzkiller here right he just he just there's nothing and the father he comes out of the party. The party is going on. I mean, it's a, it's a good party. One of the best parties in the land, I'm going to guess. 
end. And he comes out, and all he wants is for the other brother to come in and, and rejoice, right? And he can't do it. He can't do it. I have always been dissatisfied with the end of this parable, and no offense, Jesus, uh, I, I really don't, you know. But I wrote an addendum to it, and I want to say right now that what I'm going to, what I'm going to show and tell you right now is not in the scriptures, okay? But I think it harmonizes with the story very well. And so don't go home and say, Pastor Mike's adding to the Bible and, you know, I don't know if I want to go to that church anymore. Don't do that. Because it ends right there. We don't know what happens. It looks like the father just says, and just walks back into the party and tries to have a good time. These boys had a mother. And the mother comes out after the father goes in and she's got a plate. A little bit of carne asada. She says, come on. Come on, mijo. Come on. Have, have, some, have some carne. And come in. Come in, your father. Your brother's asking for you. Come in. Come in, please. He said, I don't want to come in. He said, well, I have a little food anyway. You know, and so it's a Mexican mother. And so, so. So he has a little bit, and he says, come on, come on, for the family, she says, for the family. Well, she walks back in, and a few minutes later, he walks in after her. He stands there, and he looks around at the back of the room, and he sees his younger brother over there, and his younger brother sees him. And the younger brother kind of walks over sheepishly and says, uh, you know, thanks for coming. And uh, he's, by the way, he says, I didn't ask for this. He says, I can't, he says, you know, Pop, but I mean, I didn't even think, you know, that anything like this would happen. And, and uh, so, you know, I just wanted to be a servant. That's all I wanted to be. He says, but for what it's worth, I'm sorry for everything. I'm sorry. And they embrace. At the, at the other side of the room, the father is there, and he's looking around, and he sees the boys. He gets a big smile on his face. And he stops the music, and he says, Boys, boys, come here. Come, come here. Come here, everybody. These are my boys. These are my boys. Come here. Shmuley Moises. I love these boys. Just puts his arms around them. I'm so glad we're together again. I'm so glad. He says, boys, he says, do you remember? When you, when, you, when you were little ones, you, when I used to sing something to you before bed every night. Do you remember? They said, yeah. He says, he said, I want to sing. I want to sing to you again. 
You're my boys, and we're together. Can I do that? And Shmuley rolls his eyes, and he says, Shmuley, I'm your father. And so, he sits down at the electric piano. Maybe you need the Father to come out to you today. Maybe you're like uh, the younger one that just has been out there doing what you know you shouldn't be doing. Or maybe you're like the self-righteous older one, just in a bad mood, grumpy all the time, mad at all those sinners out there, and your heart's not right. And maybe you're somebody who's standing on the outside of the whole, the whole operation. And you've never come to Jesus. See, if you've seen me, said Jesus, you've seen the Father. And he tells a story about this Father here. 
And so gospel fatherhood is, I think, built right into this story here, that we see this wonderful aspect, wonderful aspect of the Father, his love, extravagant and lavish and beyond what you could ever imagine. So why don't we bow our heads just for, just for a second here, and if you're in any one of those categories, out doing what you know you shouldn't be doing, or you're someone who has uh, been rather judgmental about everything and, uh, and looking at other people and pointing the finger and can't enter into any joy because you're just mad about things. Or someone who is discovering that you have a father that you didn't know about. Maybe I'm introducing you to somebody that you never knew you had. This is your father. This is your father that we're talking about here. And he'd love for you to become a son and a daughter officially. And the way you do that is you just receive Christ. You turn from your old life and you start moving in the direction of this father who entreats you, who comes out to you, not just in the story, but in Chino, this father comes out to you and says, I love you, I love you, I care about you, I'll always be there, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, I'm your father. Can't imagine myself doing that. And so with your heads bowed, if there's anybody in that, uh, in any of those categories there here today, just, just lift your hand up. And I just want to pray some of God's grace over you here today. If it's anybody at all, yeah, God bless you. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yes, yes, yes. Father, I pray that you would pour out your grace and your mercy, your extravagant love over this congregation here that gathers, over these especially that, that raise their hand. Lord, help them to experience it and know it and feel it. Let your spirit witness to it inside of them and let them be different and leave different here, knowing that they are loved by a father who has been looking down the road and they didn't even know it, by a father who comes out of the party to entreat them. Behold, says First John, behold how good Pardon me. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. That we should be called the sons. And I would put daughters in there too. It, it meant that at that time. Therefore the world knoweth, 
knows us not because it knew him not. But, Paul, but, but John is saying we're sons, we're daughters of the Most High God. That's a wonderful thing. That's a thing to be excited about. That's a joy to be entered into. That is life and life abundantly. Amen? Amen.